friends and listeners this is aaron odom from trident theater in sheridan wyoming coming to you with another theater horror story <laughs> i'm i'm not a voice actor i want i i like i i have like ambitions or i like i can do that and then i do shit like that and i just second guess myself all the time <laughs> all right hey gang i have don brody back on the show hello don hello Don was with us for the episode on the banning of Tartuffe. Mm. And we had some jaws hit the floor there. But Don agreed to do a horror story with me and having several different facets of her career, including acting and stand-up comedy. I'm sure that there are some great stories that we can hear. <laughs> so Don, lay it on me. What you got? Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I, I had uh, too many. Of course, to, <laughs> to narrow it down. So, but but what I found as I went through them was that my most harrowing theater horror stories happened in high school. Oh, yeah, they do. And then, and then like nothing got that bad. Like, or, or maybe they were so <laughs> bad that once I like recovered from them, nothing could like hold a candle. But like, I remember it. I was in high school. This is the mid nineties in rural mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. Oh yeah. And um, I'm sure you, many of your listeners know the uh, sweat inducing heart pumping experience. That is the high school theater competition. Okay. Okay. State, yep. h- state high school theater competitions, right? Yes, Where you yes, do your yes. one act plays, you do your monologues and it is basically the Oscars of team right right theater and, competition and sometimes you get some really good feedback from like professionals yeah. or uh, educators totally. or something yeah it's totally it's, it's and a often good thing from, but it's still terrifying terrifying and for me and for a lot of students what you're sort of harboring they may or may not tell you but you're sort of harboring in your heart is like can i really be an actor someday yeah like like is this is this something i can actually do am i actually good enough could i actually go to college for this could i actually do this for a living and they're sort mm-hmm. of like maybe the gatekeepers especially when you're from a rural place where the people around you may or may not have a perspective on how realistic this is as a career, (laughs) you, you get like, you know, these are the gatekeepers that can say, no, yes, you're actually quote unquote good. And you could actually quote unquote make it whatever. Um, so that stakes are high and, and above that too, it's sort of like the final four, like in, this is it too. Like we're all in high school that maybe this is the last time I ever do a play and whatever. So middle of winter, we are driving from Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin to Madison, which is a two hour Mm -hmm. drive through the snow. We get to the competition. We're all very excited. And the van that had all of our sets and props Mm. and costumes had gone off the road somewhere along the way. Oh my God. was stuck in a ditch. Mm. This is pre-cell phones, of course. This is (laughs) pre-whatever. So so we are just in Madison with just the actors and nothing else this is and we were doing a schoolhouse rock live <laughs> <laughs> i'm just a bill no you're yeah. not you're tame. i'm a suffering <laughs> <Do a separate. laughs> uh, and uh and we 
Aaron, we pulled it together. The yeah. show must go on. We will compete. We did it in our street clothes. We we dragged in chairs from the adjoining conference room. We created levels. We we racked our brains to piece together things that would be props. Our judges and everybody oh. were fully aware of our predicament. And so we're exceedingly generous in their sort of, you know, acceptance of play. We won everything. We swept it. What? You know, I, I got. Oh, I, I yes. Yeah. I personally got a huge individual acting award and um, it, it was so it was like the worst. I mean, I remember the pit in our stomachs oh. com- juxtaposed with the extraordinary success of it. It was it was a horror story that ended up being a, a victory tale, you know? Oh, that's so and amazing. It was so amazing. And then that same group, you know, same theater director, Mr. Moscones, he's still alive. God bless him. Ted Moscones. Um, and my and my classmates were doing uh, a one act show. I can't remember what it was in the in the auditorium in the local gymnasium, and all the power went out. Oh, and we've got the thing packed. You know, it's the Saturday night show. You're only going to do yeah. three shows. You know what I mean? And uh, yep. you rehearse and you pre- all this stuff for these three fucking shows. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the it's the Saturday night show, and all the aunties and all the uncles and all the everybody's there, and it, the power goes right, and then just rumble Blackness. rumble from the yeah. house oh, no. and we're thinking they're gonna leave you know and we're never gonna get to do it oh. and, and granny's never gonna get to see and me and i think it was my friend michael herman i'm giving him credit whether it was him or not okay we got flashlights yeah. We gave them, we gave flashlights to four people in the front row. We came on stage. We said, don't leave. They're going to get it fixed. They said, this is going to get fixed in just about, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. We're going to do some improv for you guys while it wait. Everyone came <laughs> back and sat down and we kept the, and we laughed and we played games and we did improv and the lights came back up. Everyone was still there. We did the show. It was, it was amazing. Oh, and, and I, I think honestly, like, the stuff that I have done since Aaron, just like sneak peek into like the crazy performance scenarios that I've been in <laughs> that are like under, like I was, you know, everyone talks about crisis actors, like what oh, are yeah. these crisis actors. And I think the, like the, the perception of the, like people that are casting them as this like evil thing is that they like pretend to be victims of gun violence. It's like national cons. I mean, I don't know what they, what they're saying when they say crisis actors that they like come on the news and pretend to have been kidnapped or something. I don't know. I mean, I think that's what they're saying when they do this like crisis actor stuff. I was okay. a professional crisis actor. And what, <laughs> we did, what we did was not dupe the media. I don't understand that at all. What we did is go into um, FBI hostage negotiation training Whoa. and high-end uh, violent de-escalation training for state and national law enforcement Whoa. and pretend for four hours to be suicidal or I'm trying to break into this building to kill my boss, or I have a, we, and it was basically a four hour improv Mm -hmm. with the cops where they can time out at any moment. And when they time out, you kind of go neutral and keep your energy. And they, and the whole point of your job as an actor is to get them to want to kill you. (laughs) Instead instead of- So like we knew, honest to God, Aaron. So we know we learned all of their training because their tactical training is very clear. If I pull a gun and say, I'm going to kill you. If I point the gun at you, if I start to run at you, your tactical training as a, as a law enforcement officer can and should take over and I'm dead and nobody goes to jail for it. You don't even get 
fine gotcha. for it. Often because yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way. And that is, to be fair to cops, kind of how it should be. If you are aiming a gun yeah. at a cop, that we don't negotiate with you anymore. And I think that we kind of get that, right? Yeah, the problem yeah. is I don't have a gun. I'm just really problematic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I do, or I do have a gun, but mm-hmm. it's tucked legally in the back of my pants. And so I have, as an actor, would have to let them see the gun and always keep my hands up here. Right, right. Okay. Because even if I itch my back, they could legally take me out and this then you're, scenario, you're scenario is over. And what we're trying to do is teach them and give them an opportunity to use verbal de-escalation Oh my word. And other ways of handling it. But the only way that we, and the, you tell a group of cops that the actors are coming in to teach you guys how to be better cops. Their hackles are up and they fucking hate us from the beginning. And they can't believe they have to do this shit because they're fucking cops. What? And a lot of these fucking cops were soldiers. And they're like, oh good. Today's the day the fucking actors come in and teach. And by the end, ideally, we are hopefully good enough at our job. Right. This was always what I considered a goal. Their eyes are dilated. There's a little vein on their forehead that's popping out. Uh huh. And they fucking this fucking time out. Time out. And they time turn out. around and I hear them say, I want to tase this bitch. Or what the fuck am I supposed to do here? And I'm always like, <laughs> <laughs> got you. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, so, and that job was incredibly rewarding, horrible, oh, wow. hard, crazy. I mean, I had to know psychological evaluations of the people I played, what medications they were on, their psychologist, their backstory, because these scenarios lasted forever and they could go in all sorts of different directions. And the cop would win or lose based on, do they remember my name? Are they able to keep calm? Can they offer me solutions that seem realistic to me? All of this kind of stuff. Um, So that, I mean, you can imagine, and I would be in prisons and prison issue orange when I was training correctional officers. I was Mm -hmm. uh, on the street. I mean, it was insane. And I don't think, honestly, I would have been able to go into those situations if I hadn't had a van full of props and costumes go off. You know, just that that thing that happens for a performer when you're like, this is fucking crazy. But it really seems that my job right now is just to do the show, to be what I need to do right now. Yes. Be so goddamn crazy that I'd make a cop want to kill me. That's my only job right now. I, I am sitting here applauding you. I'm sitting here applauding you because right before we got on this episode, the movie Morbius just released in, in theaters. And uh, there's so much talk about, you know, Jared Leto. He's such an, a method actor. Mm-hmm. Don, I am so anti-method. I am so anti-method because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stage actor generally. I don't, I, I've done some film work, but it's just been for tiny little student films just a couple of times in my career. Um, but like uh, they can't, the director was interviewed because there was a rumor about 45 minute pee breaks between takes. And I'm like, excuse me? So Jared Leto's character, uh, Morbius, before he's trans- transformed into this supernatural being with amazing powers, has this blood disease that uh, it makes him very weak. And so he has like arm crutches that uh, he has to walk with. Well, Jared Leto decided he needed to stay in character between takes. And we hear this sometimes, you know, like Viggo Mortensen did that in the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of lost himself, but he came back out of it and he was Viggo Mortensen again at the end sure. of the day. Sure. Jared Leto, uh, when they'd call cut, he would be like, I must use the bathroom and would walk on his crutches 
just slowly and uh, finally get to the bathroom. And sometimes he'd, he'd fall down and have to get himself back up again. And here I'm thinking about like the costumers and the makeup people mm. and the lighting uh, techs and the riggers and everything who are like, God damn it, man. Like I've got, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't go over time today. And here you are taking 45 mm-hmm. minutes to go take a piss, just go mm-hmm. take a piss. So mm-hmm. you know what they had to do between takes, they had to get a crew member to put him in a wheelchair to take him to the bathroom. The motherfucker's legs could work. Oh, that's <laughs> rough. That's so, rough. so I'm saying, hell with that shit Mm. you know when stuff goes awry we still have a job to do and our job is to entertain these people and maybe help them get something out of it sure well and you made a good point about being on set too because i i I agree generally i don't method is not my method i can understand somehow physically accents i will sometimes keep a, a dialect Oh, yeah, okay. takes, you know what I mean? There's some things that just like, because it's a technical thing, it's just easier for me because I might screw up, frankly, if I'm going in and out. So, but I'm not pretending I'm still a 15th century Irish lass. Like I know what a cop <laughs> is for. I can use my phone. You know what I mean? But I think that on set it can be, you know, and I, method is so hard. I, I mean, on the one hand, you kind of go, well, sure. If you're really trying to embody someone with a disability, the point is you can't turn it on and off. So you right, kind of, right. I would give you half a second to be like, sure. Okay. But it's like Will Smith saying, I was playing a guy who beats people up for his family. So that was, you know, I couldn't get up. Uh, I mean, there's always this kind of thin line in general, though, for me, you're at work Yep. and your job is as an artist and art is a very sacred thing. But when you're on set, everyone there is at work and somebody's uh-huh. got to pick up their kid and somebody's going to be 20 minutes late picking up their kid because you decided you can't go to the bathroom with your own legs and like, okay. <laughs> you know, trying to sort of like deal with that. My, my husband is a director and he really put mm-hmm. it, well, I don't, I, I will give him credit, but I'm not sure if he heard it from someone else, <laughs> which was uh, some, some actors believe the production is there for them. Yep. And some people, actors believe they are there for the production. And yeah. you can really tell that when there's this sort of royal, like, I, I need something. Yes. <laughs> Everyone. Right. <laughs> we must stop because I am in want of something. And then individuals who are, try to find their way to be like, I maybe think of their heads, I want something. And then observe the situation and go, it would be best for everyone if I held this want for a more convenient time. <laughs> right. Perhaps my want can be satisfied in yeah. 10 minutes when it yeah. won't, yeah. you know, interfere with stuff. Um, that being said, we also as artists need to heavily advocate for ourselves. So while you yes, know the one true. side of my mouth, it's like you have to know that the bottom line is I'm sweating and my eyes are watering right now and we can't take a break because with mm-hmm. this sweat and these tears are a physical logistic thing that is part of my craft. And so let's do another take right now versus right. take a, you know, whatever. So yeah. that's tricky yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, more to your point of hey, the things that we needed for this one performance didn't get here. So we've still got to do a performance. Right. I mean, you you didn't go, well, I don't have my crutch. Yes. Therefore, no Therefore. performance. Yes. Yes, you can't. And, and especially for live stuff, maybe when you're when, for film, because we can get it perfect. We have, we have the ability to wait and tweak and get it perfect. Right. But I think that for live stuff, and I, and this has really come to the fore as a comedian, you know, 
this is it. You're, these are the people in these seats. You are yeah. holding this microphone on this stage right now. And yeah. um, you forgot a punchline or you're, you did, oh, your joke went out of order. A heckler throws you off. You just don't get to call cut. Cut doesn't no. exist here. Mm-hmm. And if anything, part of what people are going to fall in love with, if they're going to fall in love with you, is what you do when the van goes off the road. Oh my God. And, and it yep. is what you do when the waitress drops a tray. They might have loved your jokes before that, but when they see your Jennifer Lawrence tripping up the stairs reaction, then they feel like they know you, mm-hmm. they've seen you, and it's a real perception. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't know if it was an actual event or not, but I remember in the Howard Stern Private Parts movie when mm-hmm. he was in his first years as a DJ, he was supposed to do an ad for, uh, for a sporting goods store, and nobody handed him copy. And he's like, yeah, okay. Uh, well, you know, I, I loved going to the sporting goods store as a kid. That was something we'd do every Saturday. My mom would come down and she'd be going looking for something for her tennis game. And, uh, you know, dad was really into football. So he was he was looking for that kind of stuff. And then finally somebody saw, uh, found the copy and they gave it to him. And they go, and uh, the grand opening of this uh, store is this weekend. Uh, wow. Um, so I just got to tell you, I just got caught in a lie. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my job right. And I'm just trying to do everything right. So um, let's go to some cheap trick. <laughs> oh. Later, he's talking to his then wife and he's like, so what'd you think? She goes, you know, that moment where you really screwed up. That was amazing. <laughs> because I love it. Yeah. Showing you. And when I teach acting, I'm like, that's, that's the first thing you got to do is you got to be comfortable with yourself. My first yeah. lesson to acting students is you got to eat a bowl of cereal in front of a crowd. <laughs> and so right. we have to watch you do these things that you do on a normal basis. And we're sitting here judging you. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, there are the kids who like, oh God, it was so funny. The first couple of them always are like, I pour my bowl of cereal, I pour my milk, I eat my bowl of cereal and then I'm done. And we go, good. Yeah, that was really great. That was really great. Then the rest of them start to figure out how can I get a rise out of these people by doing this thing that I do normally? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like some of them, one of them, here we go, Don, I'm going to get some, uh, some reactions out of you. Oh boy. Uh, one of them pours the cereal just starts to eat it dry. Oh. Yeah, okay. All right. If you must. Another one gets up. Pours the milk first. Son of a bitch. Right? Okay. What an animal. Another one gets up. Kicks his shoes off. Puts no. his dirty socks up on the table with him. Ugh. Then pulls the bag of cereal out of the box. Mm-hmm. Pours the cereal and lays the bag on the table open. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's just like you you're fucking monster you're a mess <laughs> I, I honestly feel like i i my child rearing plan is really just to create a good roommate like there you go. i just want I like my, i just want my daughter do- i don't know if she'll be good or bad or, but like i feel like if you just start with like be a good roommate so that's not yours don't touch it you made a mess mm-hmm. clean it up <laughs> you know what I mean? That lock the did, door. Behind, you did know. you break that? Fess up to it. Yeah. yeah. And let, I mean, the way history is going, most of our kids are going to live with us for a long time. I feel like. <laughs> 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 and That's if you amazing. put your damn socks on the table next to a box of cereal, I'm kicking you out. And I'm going to. Oh, man. Well, Don, thank you so much for that. That's great. Uh, just a great, like, oh, 
Keep it going. The show must oh. go. I love those stories. Oh. I love those Amen. Stories. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on again, Don. And for my listeners, this has been another theater horror story. <laughs> I don't know when we'll get another one to you, but it's coming. So we'll see you then. Ta-ta.